Hello, this podcast is sponsored by Now Alchemy. Now Alchemy is an amazing company that has formulated the most powerful substance in our body that was taken way back in the Egyptian era known as the food of the gods. Not only does it bring in balance, happiness, and increase your intuition, it decalcifies your pineal gland, which opens up your third eye and increases your light body, allowing your consciousness and your awareness to be open and aware of everything that is going on. The high-level mineral source, which we need today on our planet, is so important. With the fact that the earth itself has been overturned so many times with all of the farming industries, that we do not have access to the rich ormus that is available in this planet. And thanks to now alchemy, we do. We now have the sustenance that our body needs that is brought in from the Himalayan mountains and the Dead Sea. Ormus, which is powerful energy source that moves through your body and brings together a whole synthesis of information to every part of your body. By bringing this mineral source, you are nourishing your body at a cellular level. I love the company for what it stands for and its ethics. And it has been a sponsor of Ancient Wisdom Today podcast since the beginning. And that's why I always ask the tribe to support the sponsors who are sponsoring this show because I go through each of the sponsors with strong ethics and integrity to make sure that whatever they are bringing forth is in align to the planet and into you and for all of us so that we can grow and have health and wellness in our lives. Ormus's company spends a lot of time with advanced scientists, naturopaths, and doctors and herbalists to formulate a sourcing technique that brings in the highest quality of organic ingredients from the most mysterious and desolate countries in order to bring the magic in the bottle, which is Ormus. Now alchemy is not just for health and wellness community, but for all people seeking to become their greatest version of themselves. And I've been taking this product for many months, and it has been such an addition to my shamanic love that I bring to the world. And how I bring love into the lives of people is by keeping myself healthy and happy and lifted and shifted. By bringing the highest source of minerals in my body, I am able to hold a high vibration of energy and light when doing healing work or when I'm speaking to large groups of people and when I'm here lit and doing Ancient Wisdom Today podcasts. So I invite you to experience the amazingness of Ormus. They have so many powerful selections that you can choose from, from 24 karat gold Ormus to Shilajit to nano-enhanced CBD to Elysium, each bringing a different blend of energy to your body. And I honestly say that this company is really changing the lives of people. Ever since I've mentioned them and shared them with all of the people in the tribe, I've been getting letters and letters of people's lives that have been changing. And not to mention the fact that those who have had suffered so many times from PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, confusion, fog brain, and all of these other symptoms that have been plaguing us because of the onslaught of aggressive energies on our planet, By taking Ormus, these things are cleared, neutralized, and allowing you to have more balance and groundedness in who you are, as well as enhancing your mind so that you're able to think clearly and have a stronger focus. You can get Ormus by contacting www.com 
N-O-W-A-L-C-H-E-M-Y.com. That's www.nowalchemy.com. And if you use the code SHAMAN, you'll get 11% off every purchase you make. I'm so happy, tribe, that we are putting beautiful things in our body because putting beautiful things in our body is putting beautiful things in our mind and our spirit. And that allows us to shine and radiate our truth in this world as leaders. I love you. Enjoy the share. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a sixth generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And if anyone hasn't told you how loved you are, you are loved so much. So you shouldn't care about what anyone thinks because this doesn't matter what anyone thinks because everyone's living in a different world anyway. And most of those people that you would care about what they think, which you shouldn't because you're a part of this tribe. But just in case you do, just to give you a remember that those people are living in a different dimension from where you are. So you don't really want want to know how they think anyway, because they may not have anything to do with your perception. So I love you and I'm happy that you're on this planet and I'm happy that you made this journey to earth. And yeah, we go through a lot of shit. We go through a lot of pain. We go through a lot of suffering. But the cool thing about it is that we have each other and we're all about lifting and shifting and raising the bar so that we can see that we are so powerful and that nothing can stand in our way. So that being said, I have a pioneer, an amazing, amazing, powerful woman in the studio today. And when I say pioneer, let me tell you what I mean by pioneer. So you don't think, oh, she's just a pioneer, but she's pioneering the understanding of truth to transformation, right? Because when you pioneer truth to transformation, it means you're willing to take the pain and all the bullshit and all the things that you've gone through and be able to shift that into transformation and then into manifestation. And that's exactly what she did. And that's exactly who she is. And so when you guys are, when you hear people like going, woe is me and oh, woe is me and my life sucks and all that kind of stuff, that means they're not taking that that courage to take all that pain, all that suffering and turn Turn that like you would turn a diamond from a rock into something beautiful, right? And that's what it's about. It's about refining ourselves, taking our things that we go through, our, our grudge, our dirt, our dirtiness, our nastiness, our, our disgustingness that we feel and see and experience and turning it into this love, this beauty, this joy. And as everyone knows in the tribe, I cannot stand that whole love and light bullshit. And you all know how I feel about it. It's a whole love and light. You can't go in love and light if you're not willing to step into the darkness and embrace the darkness and transform it to light. And so the woman that I have here in studio has done just that. So I have in studio today the amazing Sarah Prout, who is the author of Dear Universe, 200 mini meditations for instant manifestations. And I can tell you right now, it is going to be lit. And you're all riding that lit train because we're about to go deep. And so I'm so excited to welcome Sarah Proud, welcome to the share. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know I am. <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm excited as well too. So okay, let's 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 just get right into it. I mean, I know I have my questions that I've written down, but I'm just like, ah, oh, sometimes the questions I write down aren't really the things I really want to talk about. It's kind of like yeah. my precursor. But let's just get into it, right? So let's talk about the bullshit and the darkness and the nastiness and the grunginess that you had to go through to really be who you are. Talk, sure. Yeah, okay. tell me about I it. I love that question because that's really where the magic of transformation takes place. I haven't met anybody that has created a successful life or business or is transforming the lives of others that hasn't gone through that dark night of the soul. You know, those times where you're just emptied out and you, you don't know whether you can get to the next day. And that's the point that I got to. I walked away from 10 years of domestic violence. I was beaten when I was pregnant. I was, uh, I didn't have access to money. And this happened over 10 years and my self-worth completely corroded. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I had to offer the world, but I knew that I had to be brave enough to leave for the sake of my children. And so when I left, when I finally built up the bravery, I left with two suitcases, two children and over $30,000 worth of debt. And as a mother, if you don't know how to feed your children, you feel a lot of shame. And there's a lot of dark thoughts and dark energy that goes along with that. And so I really had to learn how to get curious about the energy of what I was facing in order to get through each day. Wow. Let's go into that for a second, because, you know, I know there's a lot of women who are probably listening and going like, I feel trapped, Mm -hmm. you know? You know, I have, I talk a lot about in the public, no tolerance for abuse. Mm -hmm. I don't have any tolerance for abuse. I don't care if I hear someone talking to another person in the street and they're abusing them. If I hear someone abuse, one time I was at an airport and this woman abused herself by saying she was stupid. And I was like, no, you're not that. Say something different. There's no tolerance for abuse. But like when you're in that situation, Mm -hmm. especially when you are taught that your reliance is upon a man, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, you see? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do, I do. Right? This idea that like you have to be reliant upon a man to make sure that all of your needs are taken care of Mm -hmm. and your job is to make babies, take care of the children and keep the home. So you didn't build that that lifestyle, that ability to bring in that flow of abundance and wealth and prosperity because you're too busy raising kids, which is really a full-time job, Mm -hmm. right? And so- you know, so there comes this 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 awareness of shit. Not only do I want to get out of this relationship, I don't have much to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's that terror because that comes up for a lot of women. A lot of women are like, I have children, I have this abusive husband, I have this abusive boyfriend, whatever it may be that they're in, they feel trapped, mm-hmm. they feel um, isolated, they feel a afraid because they feel bad about the same time of why didn't I create something for myself and how could I have put myself in this position? So the helplessness is really thick, mm-hmm. right? And then you get to this place of, do I, most women that I know that I've, uh, you know, that I got a chance to engage with and be of service to shamanically um, always goes into that idea of, well, when the kids grow up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What my, is your thoughts on that? My parents did that. And so they got divorced when I was a grown up and it's still suffering. It's still the suffering in the family. And I would say that life is so short. You don't know whether you're going to get hit by a bus tomorrow. So don't plan for the future. Live today. And remember that a relationship needs to be a mutual support system. 
not, a, you know, like a meal ticket <laughs> or, or like a way of getting from day to day. You really need to empower yourself to remember that you have something to offer the world and that you are worthy. I've worked with thousands upon thousands of people all over the world and worthiness is what keeps us small or lack of worthiness. Yeah, a yeah. lack of worthiness, I say, and helplessness and the yearning that something we're missing and someone else has and we don't have it. And that mm-hmm. creates that that really deep uh, depression of depletion, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, when women are making that that choice, you know, what I always say to them is this, like, yeah, you want to wait and stay till the kids go off to college. Yeah. Mind you, you're already poisoning your children every day you stay in that situation. Absolutely. So for me, like the catalyst was having an affair. I hooked up with the first guy that paid me any attention and I thought I could leave one man for another. So I was seeking safety in like a really bad way. And that created and manifested so much shame within me that I thought I've got to cut out the bullshit. I've really got to be honest with myself and know that I need to take control of my own life. Would you say that was like a a form of self-inoculating yourself? Yeah, absolutely. But what I realized is that the pain was strong enough to become that catalyst for change. It, uh, the shame that I experienced, the uh, on top of the violence and not feeling worthy enough, and I was thinking, "Oh God, what do I do now? You know, how am I going to stand on my own two feet? I've got to be brave enough." I was thirty years old. I didn't know how to drive a car, which was really strange, <laughs> and I didn't have any access to money, and I didn't know how to make money. So I had to get very creative, and that's when I started to develop a connection with the universe and to start to have that more spiritual dialogue happening. So I had always uh, I had always meditated. I had always connected with the divine within, but it was really in those moments of hopelessness that I reached out to the universe and I said, hey, you know, hook me up a little bit here. I need some help. So how did your conversation with the universe begin? It was really out of loneliness. Uh, many years ago, I had an, uh, a New Year's Eve where my husband went to bed in a bad mood And I was so alone and I could hear the neighbors having parties and popping bottles of champagne, you know, having lots of fun. My kids were in bed and I was 29 years old and on my own. And I just felt so isolated and I felt like I was wasting my life. And I pleaded with the universe, send me an inspired idea or an inspired path of action to take. Show me a way. And sure enough, the steps opened up to then create a new way of life, a new chapter. I want to go into that more in sure. um, the idea that the universe spoke back to you. Now, I mean, I'm a shaman, so I mean, I speak to all spirits. But yeah. the thing is, for some people, they're like, what do you mean you had a conversation with the universe? Like, <laughs> Was it like a letter that you wrote and you send out? Or did you pick up a phone and say, hey, here I am. Can you someone respond on the other end? What are we looking at here when we're talking about having a conversation with the universe? It's just remembering that we are plugged into a, a big main framework of infinite possibility. And that we're all part of that. We're all part of this magnificent fabric of oneness. And that when you remember that, you gradually make your way home and you can play with that energy to support you throughout your life. I love that. And when the universe responded back to you, did it respond through your emotions or did it respond through words or did it respond to just pushing you magnetically in the direction you needed to go? I'm actually having a different answer come to me now that I've never told anybody, but I believe it was in proportion to the amount of explosive drama and pain that began to manifest almost immediately after that conversation. So that's when I had the affair. That's when my husband destroyed everything that I ever owned. You know, that's when he got arrested and there was more violence. And so I believe that the pain is the power. 
Interesting. Okay, I want to go into this because this is like it, my yeah. juice is it, going. It's a portal. It's a portal for transformation. <laughs> okay, so the pain is the power of the portal transformation. So you're saying that the combustion of the pain yeah. was that which gave you the momentum, like a rocket ship, to blast off. Yes. Now, do you feel like, and, and this is something that I talk a lot about, so that's why I want to go into it sure. a little bit deeper in that sense. Do you think if the pain is showing up to use the pain as that fuel to rocket that that momentum into our next level of of litness or our next level of leveling ourselves up Be- or do we get to a place where we learn that we don't need the pain to be the motivator and use love of ourselves and love of our life and love of the power of transformation to be the thing that motivates because i always feel like you know it's it's kind of thing i grew up in a very abused home right mm-hmm. and so every day i used to get beat and beat and beat and so i was like bleeding and coughing and throwing up and just like craziness, Mm -hmm. right? But what I did was the more they beat me, the more they hurt me, the deeper I went to love, Mm -hmm. right? And so every time I got kicked or punched or whatever it was, because, you know, that's a a very strong, sometimes that's how African families are. They're just very intense. Mm -hmm. I just dug deeper to love. I was like, I either have two choices. I'm either going to go to the point of like wanting to get off the planet and kill myself, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to dig deeper into love. But that pain got me to love, right? And then when I got to love, I was like, oh, okay. So are you saying that the pain that you went through was the momentum to boost you into that place of love within yourself? Yes. And the best way I can illustrate this is through a near-death experience I had in 2015, where the physical pain in my body got so bad that I crossed over. And then that pain took me to this love that I have never experienced before. And it was that choice when I came back, because it is a choice, I believe, or maybe it wasn't my time to go. But I came back into my body after seeing the most beautiful visions that I've ever seen before, feeling that love for everybody in humanity, getting clearer about my purpose, because my life has changed since 2015. Like, uh, in in ways that I could never have imagined. But I believe it's when you get comfortable with the pain, when you can meet it with curiosity and compassion and see it for what it is and not make it worse than it is, which is a concept passed on from a dear mentor of ours, that a new doorway to possibility opens. I had the awareness that there's something called a creation point, a conscious creation point, where whatever you're wanting to step into, if you can meet that being open to all possibilities, that's when the change happens. That's when you can create that uh, that holy shift, mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah, and you and you witness it internally. You know, nothing's really going to take you out of the game unless it's meant to. You're still here. You're still surviving each day. So as long as you have that awareness that you are a living, sentient being and you can guide your energy and guide your emotions either towards fear or pain, fear is the resistance and love is the flow. So if you can guide yourself towards that flowing energy, you can transform from pain to power. Interesting. Um, And that's, you know, what you're talking about. It relates a lot in shamanism Mm -hmm. um, because... In shamanism, we have this belief that darkness, which we call underworld beings, are are basically our brothers and sisters who couldn't let go of the things that they weren't willing to surrender to go into the light. And so they go to this realm so they can hide. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's like this hiding realm. But in order to perpetuate their realm, meaning to keep it going, they need a middle world or a place where they can surge energy from. And that's from humans. And that's from this world, right? And so every negative thought we have in our head and every um, discord or pain or suffering we go through, if we don't transmute it that 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 energy mm-hmm. back into love back into grace back into beauty back into these things it fuels their world and then mm-hmm. they become stronger and they build a stronger infrastructure for us to be enslaved in mm-hmm. and it's interesting because uh, what you're talking about is very um, indicated in all cultures and religions of the old world, not mm-hmm. not the new world stuff mm-hmm. where everyone's like, stay a victim and someone's going to come and save your ass, which is so entitled. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Santa Claus yeah. as God, you know, yeah. God, Santa Claus theory, you know, yeah. lump of coal versus, you know, rewards. But literally old world, talking like old world paganism, old world ancient, um, you know, understandings of Odin, o- old world of, you know, shamanism, that old world of of, of witchery, mm-hmm. this type of thing. Do you feel on some level that you're a witch? Oh, I've never been asked that question before. And I take that as a compliment when people sometimes hurl that as an insult in my direction. Mm. But yes, I would I would say that. Or I would say I'm a powerful creator or I do have access to that ancient wisdom. Uh, but having saying that kind of feels a little bit egoic to me. I don't know what What's it is. What's that mean? What does that mean exactly? What does egoic mean other than owning your truth and your power and being comfortable with it? That's a good point. I mean, a lot of people would say, Shaman Dirk, you're kind of arrogant and you're, you're, you can be egoic. I'm sorry, I'm arrogant and egoic because I know who, I, who the fuck I am. Yeah. Because I choose to be who I am and I don't have to be living in this idea of wondering or trying to like figure things out. And I can actually be a vessel that's just pure love and open because I don't have to go around and be like, who am I? Why am I here? What is this about? What's mm-hmm. going on? Right? It's like sometimes shit happens to witches that wake them the fuck up. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, w- to- I would say beyond labels. That's the space that I'd like to occupy. So whether it's a witch or any other term that you'd care to use i believe that well you know the witch signifies right yes what do you what do you think it signifies powerful wisdom so okay so we'll add to that okay Uh, so a witch signifies a woman who knows who the fuck she is Mm -hmm. it's not putting up with shit because honoring honoring the ancient understandings of being a woman who's connected to the earth and to her children Mm -hmm. and who's willing to bring medicine to the people and support them while holding the laws of magic, which is manifestation, accessing what we call the magus gate, which Mm -hmm. is the ability to manifest out of nothing. Mm. That's really interesting Mm. because I believe that we're always manifesting, that there is no separation between, you know, wanting to manifest a car or a dream home or something like that, that we manifest through our feelings and that's happening momentarily, moment by moment. I do believe the same thing, definitely. But a witch is the steward of manifestation. She's here to remind people of the magic that's inside of them. Yes, then I'm definitely a witch. <laughs> that's why I'm proudly, saying. proudly a witch. Thank because you. that's what my ancestors are telling yes. me. So I just want to see if yes. you if you if you see that. Yeah. Because witches, um, you know, they usually there's a mark or something that wakes them up, something that happens either physically to them. You mentioned having like a near death mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. These are all indications of medicine woman, witch. This is all indicated of the ancient priestesses. These are the things they had to go through mm-hmm. to come into their alignment, into their awakening. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's beautiful and powerful because 
what you're, what you, you know, when I read your book and we're talking about, you know, what you're doing, manifestations, you know, 200 mini meditations for instant manifestations, you know, that's manifestations is another word for magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and so basically, I honestly would say that you're actually, teaching people how to remember magic and keep magic alive on planet earth. Mm-hmm. And that would be exactly what a witch would do yes. because that's what witches are. They're stewards to hold that, that doorway open and say, don't you see the power that's already in you? That's mm-hmm. already around you. That's happening through you. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Okay. So, so what, what did you feel? What did you feel when you made this connection? How did it, how did you first start of noticing changes occurring in your life? Mm, I could start seeing different opportunities beginning to show up, different people to support me on my journey and different situations that would challenge me to new levels of compassion. Because especially for my ex-husband and cultivating that compassion as well. One of my favorite quotes, and I don't know who said it, is show me where God is not. Mm. I love that. So even in some of the uh, more sinister, darkest parts of humanity, you know, if you can show up to com- with compassion for that, then there's some juicy spiritual work there. And I've had some beautiful opportunities to do that over the years. Absolutely. Mm. I always say lean into your aversions or the vac- that the, the darkest of the dark is is to be able to to bring the light from that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So I love that what you just said. That's so powerful. Tribe listen to that because that is really important medicine for all of you who are listening and gathered in this tribal circle that is just tuning in and sharing with the share is about really listening to that message. Can you go ahead and say that again so the tribe can really take that in? Sure. So getting curious about the parts that you tend to want to sweep under the rug or set aside or not look at that shadow work, getting curious and showing up with compassion for whatever you're presented with from a non-judgmental space or as much as possible. So to give an example of that, I've got many, but when I was 16 years old, I was uh, doing legal studies and I was taken to a prison and told to interview a guy that had murdered both of his parents. Mm. And so I was sitting there as a child faced with this energy. And I remember being aware of the energy within me of judgment, of, uh, you know, wanting to condemn him, wanting to make him wrong. But he had his reasons, you know? So it was like, how can I show up with more compassion? That's when I got curious because he just seemed and appeared to be a normal human being. And of course, he's not because he killed his parents. But how could I show up and show compassion and love to that person? And that's, that's what I did. And I've had, you know, various different interactions with people over the years, no matter what their background. If I can show up with love and compassion, then I know I'm doing my best. Hmm. What do you think the reason why people aren't showing up with love and compassion? Because they're so stuck in their head about right and wrong, good or bad. And there's that space, that Rumi quote, uh, out beyond wrongdoings and right doings is a field. I'll meet you there. And I believe that that field is where the magic happens, where you're not making something wrong, where you're not throwing all of your assumptions and preconceived ideas and notions and putting that on that person. Because everything's ultimately a projection of who we are as human beings. And I believe that if we judge something, then we become the energy of the thing we judge. So if you want to, you know how people surround themselves with protective light and burn sage and all of that wonderful stuff. Here's the thing. If you can protect your own energy and show up with compassion, non-judgment and love for another human being, no matter what they've done, then that's the juicy magic of humanity. 
Powerful words. You know how you break a curse if someone is putting a curse on you in like a very voodoo or like using forms of black magic? You know how do you break it? How? You basically manifest for them all of the most amazing possibilities for health, happiness, money, prosperity, you name it, everything. Mm -hmm. And anything that they said to you or anything done to you immediately gets broken, done. That's great. Uh, A wise teacher that I used to work with who taught me meditation, he said, criticize me all you want, take my karma. And he believed that 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 was part of that transaction energetically. Yeah, Yeah. that's what we believe in shamanism as well too. So many women deal with miscarriages and I know you've talked about your five miscarriages. Can you tell me more about how that was for you, what you dealt with, and then how you manifested your miracles to pregnancy. Sure. So I've had six miscarriages in total. I've been pregnant 10 times, so that's a lot. (laughs) Uh, What happened was that when I met my beautiful second husband, my soulmate, (laughs) the person I love to share my life with, we wanted to have a baby and it wasn't happening. But I kept getting pregnant month after month. And in an eight-month period, I lost five babies. So we'd get attached to these tiny little heartbeats. And when when you get pregnant, there's all of this hopefulness, the dreams of who they're going to be or you know what, how you're going to decorate the nursery or buy them a teddy bear. And so my body kept rejecting these little human beings. And so I had to do some inner game work. And as a manifestation teacher, it was embarrassing because here's pe- people would write to me saying, I want to manifest a baby. How do I do this? And I couldn't do it. So I couldn't teach them how to. So mm. I, I realized it was a very sacred path to walk, the fact that we would create these lives that I couldn't sustain. So what I did was I learned how to get comfortable with uncertainty. And like I said, that's where the magic of creation is unlocked. And uh, on the, I think it was like the sixth pregnancy that I'd had in 10 months, all of the usual signs and symptoms started to appear that I was losing the baby. And I went to the hospital and I was on my own because my husband, Sean, had to go and pick up our other kids. And I wrote a letter to the baby and I said, it's okay if you want to come or not. If you want to be here with me, it's safe. You are loved. It's such an honor to carry you. And in that moment, I just completely disintegrated any feelings or urgency of needing to manifest this baby. It was that creation point, being okay with all possibilities. And then I went to have the scan and they saw this beautiful, tiny little heartbeat at five weeks and three days old. And they gave me a 20% chance that she would survive because I had some internal bleeding. And so again, I was once I got over that initial hurdle, it was just day by day milestones, celebrating her life. The fact that every day that that heartbeat kept beating was another reason to celebrate. Every time my belly would grow bigger, another reason to celebrate until she was finally in my arms, which is when I had my near-death experience because that's when the anesthetic wore off when I was having a C-section and I started to bleed out on the operating table. So I had just birthed the miracle baby and then all of a sudden I could start feeling everything with my abdomen open and that's when I crossed over. So what I wanted, that moment that I had prayed and manifested so hard to have happen, my miracle baby, I could have died at that point. And I believe that there's probably another realm, another reality where that did happen and that this is just another dimensional operation of of what was to manifest. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, probably I do. a conversation for another day. But no, 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 it's <laughs> okay, great. Cool, I mean, cool. I mean, we're, we talk about quantum physics. We yeah. talk about um, we talk about aerodynamics. We talk about you know energy polarity shifts. We talk about transverse universe. We talk about all of it oh, because great. in shamanism, <laughs> that is actually how we operate in fields of magic and connection and you know and so forth. So. I definitely believe, yeah. and so the tribe is like, yeah, we get yeah, it, okay, we cool. understand, we <laughs> cool. understand you, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, when you had these miscarriages that mm-hmm. were happening to you, do you feel like the spirit that wanted to come the first time, the body wasn't ready, so the spirit just waited for you until you were ready to actually be able to give it a biological spacesuit in which to, to, you know, to download into. And then now that spirit that was waiting for you from the first one has now finally been able to be a part of you. Oh, it's interesting. My very first pregnancy, I lost it uh, 14 or oh, 16 weeks. I was four months pregnant. I believe that was the soul of my son. And he came through eight weeks later. I got pregnant and had him nine months down the track. But with the five pregnancies, yes, I do believe that. But there's no way of knowing for sure because I had a fourth child and she manifested instantly because I'd learned the lesson. I got comfortable with that uncertainty and my husband and I were prepared to face the loss after loss again because I'd been told by doctors it was medically impossible for me to carry a child to full term, but we got pregnant the first time. So I do believe that the my third child, Lulu, was the same soul. Yeah, yeah because in, yeah. In, in the way we look at things in shamanism, the other side is that if a spirit chooses a parent, just to, first of all, just to choose a parent out of all the selection of parents you get to choose, mm-hmm. it, there's a process that takes place because they look at all the many possibilities of choices that you could actually make and mm-hmm. all the ones that you could make that could not go the right way as according to, but each one is chosen based on the fact that no matter what choice you make, they're still going to be able to get the lessons and what they need from you. The thing is, some souls will wait, and if the vessel isn't prepared for it, they'll just wait because there's no time where they are. Mm -hmm. And then when the vessel is ready, they'll come in. And if they see they have to come in as a male or female, they'll make that decision. Mm. But um, I very much believe that very strongly. So I'm just wanted to to see what your thoughts were about it. Mm. Well, I had dreams or visions of all four of my children before they manifested. So I knew who they were when they arrived. Very powerful. I love it. So you speak about how you were on welfare while raising two children. How did you manage to do that? Ooh, I just took one day at a time. There were some days that were really bad. uh, And I didn't know how I was going to get through each day, but I did. And it was through gratitude, through showing up and remembering to be grateful. Some days were very difficult and I didn't know how I was going to feed my children. But we got through each day through being grateful. So showing up with gratitude and appreciation for what we did have, because if I let the fear consume me, then I wouldn't be getting out of bed the next day. And I couldn't do that to those those kids. They were so little at the time. One was eight and one was five. So, Would that be something that you would say to someone who's in that situation? Absolutely. Just take one day at a time. And it, you know, it's not mystical wisdom by any means or stretch of the imagination, but it works. And that was the most powerful spiritual truth that my mother shared with me at that time. But you mentioned gratitude being a part of it. Gratitude, yes. Right. Yeah. So being one day at a time with gratitude. With gratitude, if you can, but don't beat yourself up if you can't, because there are some days you're just so mad and pissed off at the world. But if you can transform your energy and guide your emotions, then you can change your life. Well, you can if you definitely get your book. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. How did you go from having $30K into debt to being financially free? Ooh, well, it was some uh, creative accounting on 
on behalf of my husband (laughs) who helped me to manage that. And we worked our asses off to create a business, to build it, and then to just put the debt behind us. And so it was really a commitment to the mission and the impact that we wanted to share with the world. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's I think that's very important. I think I think what happens, I always say that like debt, you know, is an accumulation of energy that needs to be cleared up karmatically, you mm-hmm. know, from the sense of not in the karma of like bad versus good in a very Hindu way of this kind of karma, but in the karma of the energy that you're not seeing that the power inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like the power that you represent. And that, like you said, like, you know, you worked hard, you did these things, you did whatever it is, but all those things happened because you had courage, you had empowerment, you had love, you had all of these things that were, I think, were the enriching tools that created that possibility to happen. And so I always feel like when you have those energies in there, that's what actually clears up all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 I think it's very powerful. What do you feel right now has been some of the biggest issues that has kept us in this very divisive way here on earth? Well, that's a big question. I believe that our parents and the way that we are raised plant these little seeds of disbelief and that it's our role and responsibility to overcome that and to rise above it. And that within that understanding that we are all part of this beautiful framework of humanity, we've got to remember our power. Because if we can't, we can't change our lives. We can't change the lives of others. We can't lead with love for our children and they need that. So I believe that it's the conscious awareness that we bring to our life experience. Yeah. Do you feel that our parents, well, I mean, when I think about the parentals, because I, I'm very, I have a whole thing about the parentals and authority mm-hmm. figures and those sure. who, you know, stand in the, in a position of um, telling us what they think is right for us versus what they think is wrong for us. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the parents are the main responsibility when it comes to creating a structure that allows children to recognize what they're capable and what's possible for them? I think you can never spoil a child with too much love. And I think that if you connect with your child on a daily basis and you tell them that they're loved, then the rest will work itself out. That as parents, we get very head-based about what's going on in our child's life and we try and control it. And that's no point because they're going to turn out however they can turn out. It's their karma, their path, their their life work. And that we are just, they're, they're on loan. They're like library books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and we took them out of the library and then, you know, they check themselves back into the library when they're ready. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so creating a container of love would be like the key that you would say to the tribe. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it's, and do you feel, do you feel like, you know, we don't have enough of that on the planet? Absolutely. Yeah. We need to treat ourselves like we would treat our children or treat a small child. Uh, and it's, it's so important for us to remember that life's so short and that we don't laugh as much as we should. We, we take things too seriously. We create these walls and borders and fences around our hearts first. So no wonder they're in the world. And so if we can dismantle that, we have a power at creating some radical change that's much needed right now. What do you feel is the bullshit right now that people don't want to take responsibility for right now on planet Earth? Ooh, Oh, the bullshit. Oh, there's so much. It's a long list. <laughs> oh, please go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. So number one would be that they people don't believe that they have any power to change what's going on. 
and or the ability to use their voice. We're so disempowered to share our opinion, share our viewpoints on things. The second thing I would say is that uh, people sometimes can be lazy and don't have the energy or don't believe that they have the energy to get up off their, their sofa, their couch or whatever and do something, take that inspired action because we all want p- things to come to us. And the other thing that is, oh my gosh, I did an interview not that long ago uh, that was about attracting romance and love and that kind of thing. And I flipped it around and I thought, what if we could be of service first rather than thinking how we're going to be perceived? Because it's the illusion of believing that we are a certain way and that we need to be perceived as successful or attractive that is the biggest amount of bullshit. Because we're just <laughs> in the, we're just in these meat suits, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's such a short period of time. And if we remembered that rather than, you know, making ourselves perfect or trying to attain perfection. That's bullshit. That I can't stand. Let's talk about that. Okay. So, I, there's so much life that's wasted wanting to be different, especially for women and their appearance, to be attractive, to attract the right man or woman or whoever it is, to be loved because we're all seeking that safety, that love and that approval from our heads, not our hearts. Because if you can find somebody that loves you unconditionally, no matter what you look like, if you've got like massive stretch marks on your belly or your belly looks like a crumpled paper bag or you got cellulite, it doesn't matter. If you can give yourself permission to show up in the world and just be who you are. We've got this illusion in our minds of this secret version of ourselves that isn't the truth. <laughs> you know, and we're all, we're all the same. We just want love. We just want a community, a tribe around us to get who we are and to acknowledge how we're feeling. And you can have that. You can have that if you believe that you're worthy enough to have that. Do you feel that because people are not in that space of being worthy, that they can have love, that it's easy for consumerism and for, you know, the system to kind of feed them whatever it wants to feed them? What are your thoughts on that? Is there another way for you to ask that question? Yeah. So, you know, we have consumerism, right? Mm-hmm. Which is always telling women to like, you got to buy the, the, the makeup. You got to yeah. buy the, the, those red bottom shoes. You got to mm-hmm. buy this thing and you got to have this bag with this designer name on it. And you have to look like this and you have to be like this in order to be sexy, beautiful, mm-hmm. wanted, needed, yeah. and have value, mm-hmm. right? And so you have all these women who are running around doing all of these things to please someone outside of them Mm. instead of please themselves and be comfortable with themselves. Mm -hmm. What do you say about that? It's a prison that they're putting themselves into a cage or, and, and on a little hamster wheel. So they're stuck in this crazy cycle that they can't get off unless they seek joy, whatever the, the only way to get off that crazy train is to seek joy from a space of fulfillment and, through viewing humanity of the lens of service. How can I help somebody else? Not how can I get more shoes? (laughs) But if that brings you joy, that's cool too. But let's balance it out a little bit. It's like uh, making sure that you eat enough vegetables and then you can have a slice of cake. You know, it's like just balancing it out and remembering that it's all an illusion, that this physical reality is only a small part of a much bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like when you're talking about the unconditional love, like what you get from your husband, you know, the 
the reason why you have that unconditional love is because you are willing to get into a place of acceptance with yourself? Mm, no, because I don't think I'm ever going to get there. Like this is real and authentic when I say that, of course, I have my good days where I feel fearless and I'm I'm enough and I'm good enough. But then there's other days I question, well, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> is anybody listening? And I feel like I wouldn't be a powerful teacher if I didn't get transparent with that shadow work that I still need to do. And I don't know whether I'll ever get it figured out. I don't know whether anyone's got anything figured out, Mm -hmm. but it's part of the path. And that acceptance and self-love is a commitment to a lifelong project. So in that, and being, and that being said, then the object, because a lot of times women will think, well, you know, once I'm this and once I'm that, then once I work on myself and go to this workshop and mm-hmm. I go to that workshop yeah. and I go take this class and I take that class and I learn how to firewalk with Tony Robbins and I learn how to do all these different things yeah. that all of a sudden this amazing man is going to show up and it's going to be this unconditional love experience. What, what, based on what you just said, do, what do you feel that helped you manifest that level of love into your life? Oh, it was the inner work that I had to do. It was getting comfortable with uncertainty. It was showing up with curiosity for the the really down, dark points in my life and being open to all possibilities. And I feel like it's the journey. When you realize that you're on this really awesome journey and that the universe is going to deliver these cool experiences, whether they're perceived as good or bad, and you're riding that wave of uncertainty and you can get comfortable with that, that's the magic. That's that juicy place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically talking in manifestation terms, Mm -hmm. right? And the reason why I'm asking these questions because it ties into this is that because a lot of people have this idea that if they get to us, the reason why they're not able to manifest is because they're not sitting in that seat of the way they think things should be as according like to have taken all those courses, done all the Mm -hmm. things they needed to do. And so are you saying that even if you're still dealing with shit, Mm -hmm. you can still manifest a beautiful and glorious life. You can only ever manifest if you're dealing with shit. And if we only knew of the power to leverage the negative energy or the the depressed days or the anxiety, we would welcome them and embrace them with a warm hug and compassion because that can be, that can accelerate you to that next level. The (laughs) tide can't come in if it doesn't go out first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. So how can pain, fear, and negativity be used as a portal for change? So again, it's it's leaning in with curiosity. What can I learn from this? What's great about this? How can I leverage this situation to bring more conscious awareness to my human experience? And then almost seeing yourself from the outside. If you could witness whatever's unfolding in your reality as if you were watching a movie and going, okay, it's okay It's not okay now, but it's going to be okay soon. So often we believe that because we're experiencing hardship now that it's going to be the pattern for the rest of our lives. And there's comfort in knowing that nothing ever stays the same. Everything is cyclic. Everything moves through in nature as it's meant to. Uh, You know, the most beautiful wildflowers grow after a fire. You know, after everything's been destroyed and the destructions move through, then this beautiful growth comes up. And we don't realize that that's part of the cycle, part of the divine plan that we can't create unless we go through that pain. Hmm. I just want to pause on that for a moment and just kind of marinate on those words that you just said. 
And I want the tribe to just marinate on those words. And can you say that last line again that you just said so the tribe can really just take that in instead of trying to separate themselves from the pain and separate themselves from the hurt and all the things that they've gone through and try to become this holier-than-thou version that they think they have to get into instead of embracing and acknowledging that, that line that you just said, which was... I can't even remember. It just flowed through. That's how this stuff works. Love it. That is how it works. Okay. But I do remember, so if you don't remember uh, tribal members, please go back and listen to it because it's really powerful. And I know it, 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 it's life-changing to be able to look at it in that way because so many people, and I see it so much in that very, you know, what people call the spiritual community, which to me, spirituality is just evolution, Mm -hmm. right? And the the spiritual community holds on to this idea, this concept that I have to be this holier-than-thou spiritual person and then my life is going to change. Mm -hmm. So then they begin to create this uh, complete, pious, very, you know, very strong viewed version of what they think that looks like Mm -hmm. and then reflect out to everyone else who's not operating in that field that there's something off or something wrong or they're not growing spiritual enough or they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And some people will even just ostracize themselves Mm -hmm. completely from certain social groups and say, well, they're not spiritual enough or they don't get me. And I think when someone says someone doesn't get them, I think there's someone saying that they don't get themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, because whatever the heck they're doing is just all nonsense, and I like that because I think it's important for us to be able to to go into that pain. And you know, I, I love the the whole thing. Have you ever danced with the devil under the pale moonlight? You know, mm-hmm. and I love that. Because it's that truth. It's like, have you danced with the devil? Do you know how to tangle with darkness? Do you know how to do the salsa? Do you know, do you know how to get into that, into that groove? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 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 being able to really transcribe a new language or a new way of communicating to yourself how you can access new awarenesses that lead you to that level of manifestation from the transmutation and transformation that you're experiencing in any one given moment. How, how do we use emotions to feel our transformation? Ooh, so the universe is delivering our experience through how we're feeling no matter what that is. So it's this level of discernment and our intuitive faculties, and we all have them. So when people say, oh, I'm not psychic or I don't have any intuitive insight, yes, you bloody well do (laughs) because we all have it. We're born with it. And the more you strengthen that as an intuitive faculty, the more it will work for you. Just like in a gym, working out a muscle, the more you build it, the more it will show up. So I would love to remind people that it is... oh. You have a responsibility to tune into how you're feeling and give yourself permission to feel that way, no matter what's showing up. Yeah. You hear that? It's important. (laughs) 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 Okay? Because the thing is, is that we've been taught not to pay attention to our feelings. Yeah. We push them down. That's why the addiction, uh, you know, whether it's food addiction, sex addiction, gambling, whatever it is, it's closing that separation between themselves and their connection to the universe, Mm -hmm. which is how the emotions flow through. The universe is delivering it. And that's interesting you say that because, you know, in ancient times, uh, the way we're taught in shamanism and tribal culture is that uh, the first language we spoke was through the emotions. We didn't even Mm -hmm. utter sounds out of our mouths. 
Mm-hmm. We spoke through feelings and we had a stronger connection to animals. We had a stronger connection to the plants and we had a stronger connection to the wind and to the fire and to the earth itself because it all communicates through the old language. Mm-hmm. But because we decided to move on to a different language, we think everything that has the old language is weak and insubordinate and not necessary. Mm-hmm. When in fact, what we're actually needing to get back to is the old language so that we can talk to animals again, mm-hmm. so that we can talk to the trees and the flowers and the wind. And so that when the wind hits our face, we're not just like, oh yeah, that was the wind. But like, hey wind, how's it going? Do you have any information for me? You know, this kind of thing. And so we can talk to each other. Yes, and so we can talk to each other. Because we don't do that as much as we should anymore. Yeah. We don't slow down. It's like we're speaking in emojis. <laughs> which is... <laughs> First of all, I get I get people get so angry, text angry at me, so you know. Yeah. I go text angry, you know, text angry at me because <laughs> I'll say something and they'll be like, "I can't believe you said that to me." I'm like, "What?" No, I wasn't saying it like that. Like I was saying it like they're like, "Well, put an emoji in there so I know exactly if it was coming from love or not from love." I'm like, See, "We're seeking emotion <laughs> in our conversations. It's really powerful." Like you got to emoji it if yeah. you want to have a conversation on the text. That's it. You know, because no one knows if you're actually coming from a loving yeah. place or a sarcastic place. Oh, or... they'll just take it personally, no matter what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damned if you do. Speaking of taking it personally. What do you feel about people taking things personally? Oh, I do it all the time. (laughs) I take things personally all the time. Why? Oh, actually, I shouldn't say all the time. Sometimes, selectively. I feel we're human beings. That's what we're here for. We're here to learn and grow. And so if there is something to lean into and to understand and unravel, then I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do the work. But most people don't want to do that (laughs) because it's painful and it's scary. Let's go into it. Can we dig okay, into sure, it? Go for it. Okay. So taking things personally is like making it yours, right? Like I'll give you an example. So I'm in Turkey. I'm with, walking with a friend and she, I'm talking to her about this relationship, you know, just talking as a friend, like just about her relationship. And she says to me, Shaman Durek, you're making me feel like shit. Okay. Oh, great. And so I was like, <laughs> really? Because uh, I'm just showing up being me, just doing me, doing mm-hmm. me. And out of all the choice emotions you could choose, which are a lot, you chose the one that makes you feel like shit. And some people, friends of mine are like, well, you should take responsibility for the fact that you made her feel that way. And I'm like, fuck that shit. I am not <laughs> taking responsibility for someone's emotion that they chose themselves. It's one thing if I chose that emotion, I'll take responsibility for my emotion that I choose and how I choose to feel about my experience and what I'm perceiving. Mm-hmm. But she chose to feel like shit by me just being me. So what am I supposed to do? Everyone in the room chooses a different emotion. And I'm supposed to jump around like a crazy person trying to figure out how everyone's emotions are going to get equalized because of Everyone's unhappy. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, you'll drive yourself crazy if you try and do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm a little bit crazy already, but that's in good. a good way. That's a good sign. Because that's the real Roy. That's, that means we're living, truthfully. Yeah, that's it. I think the ones who aren't screaming, yelling, and, be, and screaming in the pillows and like screaming in the street, like banging drums and all that kind of stuff, I think those are the, real, the, those are the ones who are like, I'm concerned about. Yeah, so let's talk to them. Yeah, <laughs> let's exactly. Have a chat. Those are the ones we need to engage. <laughs> yeah, so taking it personally, oh, it's a, I'm teaching my children this. You know, you made me unhappy. You made me feel this way. Uh, it's about taking personal responsibility. That's all it is. It's like you have a choice how you feel. And when I argue with my husband, we, <laughs> we only usually argue when we forget to take responsibility for our own emotions and how we're feeling because you shift to blame. You shift to wanting somebody else to help you and they can't. 
And so learning not to take it personally is remembering that not everything's about you. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's, let's get over ourselves. Yeah. We're not that important. Uh, and that it's a very powerful conversation to have with your children to remind them that life is happening through them, not to them. There's a big difference. So if you want life to happen to you, then you take things personally or you react. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, and this is after years of therapy and counseling and things like that, is to explore the intention behind why somebody said something. So your friend may need to be reminded and trusted that you're her friend and that mm-hmm. you don't want to cause harm or cause pain. So it's just a, a simple bridge in communication. When, and I get that point. Like I get the point of like, and I have said that to my friends and I'm like, you know, but I do that based on where they are in their spirit. Like, so for instance, if a friend of mine's spirit is in a dimension where everything always is, someone is always attacking them because that's what they're still holding onto in their spirit form, mm-hmm. right? Then I know that sometimes, like one time I said something to my friend, like, you know, good morning, uh, how are you doing? Something, I think exactly what the words were, but instead of her seeing it as like me really saying good morning and like, I'm really interested, she saw it as condescending, mm-hmm. you know? And I simply said to her, I'm not the person attacking you. Like, I'm not here to attack you. I'm here to love you mm. and support you and to be there in any way to hold space so that you can be your highest leader of legacy, mm. right? And and I do that with my friends. But the other thing I have this thing about me, because I'm a Scorpio, and I just kind of- <gasps> What's your birthday? First of November. November 17th. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I love that. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I have this whole thing that I don't want to pet the pooch. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just don't want to pet the pooch. I don't have time to cater to people's like, you know, if you, if you, if you feel like uh, this is what you're going through, I'm not going to get upset with you about it. Like, for instance, I'll give you a perfect example. Like I have this friend, she throws these parties and she has this really big house and she thinks everyone is supposed to go find her and her husband. It's like when they're leaving the party. Mm-hmm. And I literally said to her, this is like, where's Waldo? It's like, <laughs> I have no need again in my life to ever track her down by the pool and then realize where is she at? Oh, she just went upstairs. Go upstairs. So she's upstairs. She went by the kitchen. Oh, she's not at the kitchen. She went in the living room. Oh, she's in the party room. I'm not here to play like find the hidden mouse, you mm-hmm. know? So now what I do is I just leave. And when I left, she called me up and she's like, I can't believe I invited you to my party and you just left. <laughs> And I'm like, and? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that was so rude of you to just do that. You, you know, you could have at least said goodbye. Why? I mean, you're going to see me today, mm-hmm. later on for lunch, or I'm going to see you next week or next month. So why do we have this entitlement as human beings that we have to get some, some, some kind of emotional security you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to keep constantly reminding us that we're appreciated, loved, and valued by another person instead of just telling ourselves that. Hmm. Well, a good friend of mine says that every upset is a rules upset. So we have this, it's almost like program running that, you know, we've got what's acceptable, what's unacceptable, what's a boundary, what's, you know, crossing the boundary. And then I think it's just a reminder that these things happen, the more that they happen, it's a lesson. 
and that we're all going to get these lessons of irritation. This person will see that there's a theme, you know, she's not going to have so many friends if she keeps treating them like that and that we're all on our own journey and that we have the moral obligation to do the inner work and to go, how can I be a better human being? How can I be a better friend? How can I show up for somebody else? How can I not be so (laughs) self-absorbed? Because that's what it is. It comes down to self-absorption. Again, we're under the illusion that we're someone special, that we need to be treated in a certain way. And I'm guilty of this too. I've done this many times myself. But then you kind of laugh at it. If you can laugh at it, that's the magic. Mm. There's something really beautiful about being able to laugh at yourself or in a situation that you're taking too seriously. You can break it down, interrupt your pattern, you know, do something that disrupts the energy, then that's really good. Yeah, I like that. I like laughing at myself. My whole team, they laugh at me. <laughs> They're always laughing at me. Everyone, the assistant, my yeah. publicist, my manager. But can you laugh at yourself? Oh, yeah. I laugh good. with them. Good, good. I think, I, I, for me, I'm always like, I can't even believe you guys even took that so seriously. Like, I get to the point where I just think everything's a big joke anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think the whole system's a joke. I think whole life experience is a joke. And so for me, I find like laughing at everything is the most, for me, is the greatest medicine Mm. because it's like you you take yourself way too seriously. Like, I feel like if you take yourself way too seriously, you're losing the magic of being a kid, Mm -hmm. amusing the magic of being that, that playful, free, you know, just kind of like who gives a shit. Well, we're also addicted to drama as well. And that feeds us on some level. So if we can rise above that and just like call out that bullshit, if you can see it, that, oh, you know, you're complaining about somebody, you're causing an issue over here because people like set off the little bombs and watch them go off. And it feeds this need to feel seen perhaps. Right. Why do you think think, uh, we have an addiction to drama? Well, from a media perspective, we're fed it on a constant basis. You know, the, the advertising industry, the marketing world is preying on our insecurities mm-hmm. and our drama on something. It feels really great when there's something wrong with somebody else. That means that we're not so bad, you know, we're not worse for wear. So it's a very interesting dichotomy to be placed in the fact that you see situations unfolding that feed you on a certain level and you want to join that party. You want to see, you want to witness. It's why reality TV is so popular because it's like you can be a voyeur and get out of your own world and realize, hey, it's not all about me. But, you know, there's something cool going on over there that's not so good. I don't know. It's like an... Uh, it's it's kind like, like an a under- distraction, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a distraction. It's like yeah. that Caesar. It's like give them the arena and cheap bread and then they'll never know what the Republic does, you know? It's like yeah. Caesar's favorite line, right? It's kind of like keeping everyone so occupied in the Gladiator Stadium. Yes. And every, while they're doing it, they're like making all this mischief in, you know, the Roman Empire mm-hmm. towards all these other empires. But again, I think it's there to make us feel. We want to jumpstart our hearts a little bit with an energy. And we're not sure where or how to do it. We wouldn't just go have sex. Well, not everybody can do that. <laughs> well, they should. <laughs> I think that'll, that'll deal with a lot of that'll issues of depression there on our go. planet. Stop repressing everything. Yes. You know, <laughs> maybe that person has to go run down the street butt naked and be a little bit of freedom. That's it. You know, let it, let it blow in the wind. Yeah. Something. Just don't manifest children until you're ready for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think, I think there's a point, I think there's a point, you know, when it comes to like the level of freedom, I feel like we've been so 
so completely controlled by a system that tells us that this is right, this is wrong, which is, and those are these ideas of moral judgment, which morality really is based on each individual culture and and bringing of that culture, you know? Like for me, growing up in Hawaii and being in a Hawaiian family, it was very customary for me to go into my friend's home. I could lay on their parents' bed. Mm-hmm. I can open their refrigerator. I can, like, they leave their door unlocked. So I could be in their house and call them and be like, what are you doing, bro? Oh yeah, we're at the beach over here. Or we're wow. doing this over here. So you know what? If you like to stay in the house and I'll come meet you later. Like we never locked our doors, mm-hmm. you know? So people can come in my home and watch TV, whatever they wanted, or they wow. can like eat whatever they wanted. But then I had a friend who was from Texas Mm -hmm. you know and she was like you know in her house and she invited me over and she was making food and I just sat up on her counter and then she didn't talk to me for eight months and said I was the most disrespectful and she's like were you born in a barn and what's wrong with you and you're a shaman like what's wrong and then you see like and I'm just like whoa you know my understanding of freedom is different from your understanding of freedom or your, your understanding of what boundaries are different from my understanding of boundaries and how do we actually create a conversation with our children, with ourselves mm-hmm. as parents to what is a necessary boundary as according to ourselves or according to what they want to do. What would you say? I would say that there is respect, of course, and checking for permission. I feel like we don't check people for permission as much as we should. And I, I use the word should very lightly. Like if you're going into somebody's home, just checking to see what's okay. And I like to remind my children that as long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you've checked in that it's okay, as long as you're not destroying anyone's property, everything's fine. How do you check for permission? I mean, do I it's have just, to like like go and be like, is it okay if I sit on your couch? Is it okay if I sit on this? If people have have these rules, don't you think they should have like a rule book that if they have so many rules, they should have a rule book for relationships? Like, okay, these are the things you don't do in a relationship that would really upset me and make me leave you. Or these are the things that you don't do when you enter my house or it's going to be never going to be invited again. Like, how do we create that? So I feel, and I can only speak for myself because Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a person by person thing. I feel as an empath, as somebody who is very energetically sensitive, if I come into your home, I will sense your energy and see whether I need to seek permission or not. Mm. So it's about cultivating the discernment in an environment as they change, as the people change, and how you can show up. So I have my own set of rules, (laughs) but I'm not going to shame somebody else. And I feel like shame never creates change. Never. I don't care how you how you uh, dish it out. It's never, ever going to create the change that you think it will. And more often than not, if it comes out like, hey, were you raised in a barn? That kind of stuff. It's disowned parts of themselves that they wish that they were raised in a barn. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, I know that sounds a little harsh, but it's true. Quite often, these disowned parts of ourselves come out in insults, come out in judgments. And yet we've got to do that reflective inner work to figure out, hey, what's really going on under here? What do you feel that women need to hear the most right now for their development in their evolution? Oh, that they are enough just as they are. And that there's no thing, no amount of, you know, weight loss or fancy product, or as you said, red soled shoes mm-hmm. <laughs> that will fill that hole that they're looking for within their hearts, that they've got everything that they need right now to make that transformation. That it's not a magic pill. It's not a sum of money, you know. This is the this is the illusion that I've seen time and time again that people believe that the more that the more money they spend, the more the transformation will unfold, and that's not true. You can do everything for free. You don't have to buy any courses. Or there's one book you can buy, <laughs> or, or a few, uh, but there's like 
it's not as complicated as we think it is. It's very simplistic. And the more simplistic it is, the more radical the change will be. And what would you say for men? Men. Hmm. Oh, that's a big question because I feel, and you know this, I can tell you, I can sense you sensing things. I feel like for men. You can feel my energy. I can. I know. I know. I know there's no, there's no barrier here. I feel like for men, give themselves permission to feel and to forgive their fathers and to create a safe space to be the nurturer because I don't think it should just be solely exclusively for the woman that a dad just doesn't have to go and spend the money. A dad can show up and shower his children with love and appreciation and and attention. And it's not a sign of weakness and it doesn't take away his masculinity whatsoever. Actually strengthens it. What is your favorite uh, meditation in your own book, uh, Dear Universe? Oh, my favorite one. There are so many. There is, but they're all lovely. <laughs> Thank you. What do you feel most inspired? Uh, what was the most inspiring for you to write? Oh, it. You know what? It it all was, and I. It's so funny. <laughs> I can't actually recall which one is my favorite. I really love fear. The. Uh, feeling fearful or feeling afraid and feeling numb. That was one that I dealt with a lot. That was very, I had to be very transparent with my stories with that. And then the positive ones, the blissful and and creative and adored, you know, these were all beautiful opportunities to express how I was feeling. And it was, it was quite an ordeal to write the book, the fear-based section. I went like right into it, into the heart of every emotion that I was feeling. I know that, uh, you know, my husband during that time (laughs) recognized that I was being triggered by some past traumas that I had to go through again in order to creatively express them. But when I got to the love-based section, it was awesome. (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm I'm good now. (laughs) This is great. But at the same time, like the love-based section still has some of that, uh, some of the more shadow sides of life. That to get curious about because I wanted to show the overlap that there really is no separation. Mm-hmm. And where can people, um, you know, purchase um, your book? Sure, uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, anywhere you can buy books, or you can go to dearuniverse.com. And are you on Instagram as well? Yes, I am. And- my name's Sarah Prout, and that's S A R A H P R O U T. That's right. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much Thank for you. being in this share. You're amazing. Thank I'm you. I'm honored. Thank you And so I, much. I love you and I'm very happy that you're here. Oh, I love you too. And I feel the same way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we're both Scorpios. So, <laughs> you know, we got to keep it real all the time, every time. So thank you, my love. Well, Tribe, so you know what to do. It's time. It's time to bring that manifestation and level it up. So you got to go out there and get Sarah Proud's book, Dear Universe, on Amazon. This is a must-have on your table, in your bag, and on your bookshelf or by your bedside. I love you so much, Tribe. It was so amazing to hear so much wisdom and knowledge from such a powerful woman who has transpired through so many things in her life and is an inspiration to so 
many people worldwide and has brought so much energy and love in her journey through darkness and into the revelations that she's come forth to bring to you this amazing book that is going to shift and lift your life in so many powerful ways. So I love you and I want you to know how powerful you are and never forget that. Also, if you want to level up your powers in shamanism, you can go to shamandurek.com, sign up on the newsletter to see where I'm going to be in the different towns. Remember, it's all about invite to ignite, right? Inviting more people to the tribe so they can stay alive and thrive and be able to keep the power and the fire growing and flowing. I love you. And also check out my book. Uh, you can also pre-order my book um, on Amazon, which is Spirit Hacking, which is, you can get that. And if you want to get involved in really getting in touch with sharing your message to the tribe, meeting other tribal members, please join Instagram and come to shamandurek.com. Until next time, I love you. See you later, alligator. Bye.